This morning we'll be continuing our series of sermons through the book of Ephesians. We come to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll look at verse 1 through 3. Uh, which has an exhortation for children within the Christian home. Uh, for a bit of context, we'll also begin by reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, so we'll read 2 Timothy 3, and hopefully it will become clear uh, as we read why we've chosen that selection. Uh, then we'll turn over uh, and we'll read from our text from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, for time's sake, we'll read from 2 Timothy 3, uh, but we'll stop at verse 7, and then we'll flip over to our text. The Apostle Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, reminding them of certain things that will come to pass as history continues, and we're seeing these things come to pass as we continue to live in the midst of history. And so we read from 2 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then we'll flip to our text, and you notice the contrast between those perilous days that come uh, to that which is described in Ephesians 6, the atmosphere of the Christian home. Verses 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. A congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it doesn't really need to be supported with much evidence because it is self-evident. Uh, that we are living in troubled times. But that's nothing new. The Apostle Paul and his protege Timothy were also living in troubled times. And part of the trouble of our times is the lawlessness that results as an expression of the ungodliness. Our society, by and large, could be characterized with a spirit of lawlessness, but that lawlessness is an expression of ungodliness. But it's not sufficient for us just simply to bemoan the state of affairs within our culture because we as Christians understand something of the impact of the reality of redeeming grace. The redeeming grace, the transformative power that comes from God, especially through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, as is applied by the Holy Spirit into the hearts and the lives of Christians, Christian parents, but also Christian children. And so grace transforms Christians, and as it does so, grace transforms the Christian household. The Apostle Paul, in the opening chapters of Ephesians, has laid out 
the objective work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's now making application because Christ has done these things. Now, therefore, this is the impact. This is the result. And notice how practical it is. Doctrine is practical. What we believe impacts how we live. And that also applies to children. Now, maybe you're a young boy or a young girl of five, 10, 15. This morning's sermon isn't just for you, it's also for all of us, but it is for you. And I'm going to try to speak as simply as I can, especially so that the children hopefully can understand that which we are saying. God wants to tell you something. Now, He doesn't speak thundering from the the clouds and the sky. He speaks to you from His Bible. And what He wants to tell you this morning is that children who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ are called to obey their parents. And I want to talk about that, looking at three different things, the description of this obedience. What does it look like for a Christian child to obey their parents? And then secondly, the basis for this obedience, why? Why should Christian children obey their parents? And then thirdly, the promise in this obedience. And that's also kind of another, why should children obey their parents? So God is telling us, and especially telling the covenant children that we are to obey our parents. What exactly does this mean? And notice if you look in your Bible, and boys and girls, you can follow along too in, in your Bible. Maybe your mom and dad can point out the words and, that I'm referring to. Verse 1, first of all, look at the word obey. Children, obey your parents. Obey means, first of all, to listen. To listen to your parents as they teach you. As they teach you so many things, but especially as they teach you about God. About who God is. And perhaps they do this as they read the Bible around the dinner table, or the supper table, or the breakfast table. Perhaps they do this in addition Uh, other times throughout the day, and then when they bring you to church, and as you get a little bit older, you start to go to Sunday school, and you go to catechism class, and when you're a little bit older, you go to youth group, and maybe you're schooled in your, your home, maybe you go off to a Christian day school, and all of these ways, your, your father and your mother are teaching you about who God is, and also about what He has done. He's created the world. He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And and they also teach you that we must believe, we must trust Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And then they begin to teach how we are to live. There are certain things we ought to do, and there are certain things that we ought not to do. And so they say, this is good, this is not good. And all of this, your parents are teaching you, and God would have you listen to them. And not only listen to them, because sometimes, you know, we we can listen and we can say, well, I'm not going to do that. 
But God also wants us to follow, follow their teaching, to believe their teaching. When it is good teaching, when it is in line with Scripture, So when your father and your mother tell you about the one true God, God wants you to believe that is true. And when your father and your mother tell you that God wants us to come to worship together on the Lord's Day, we are to believe that that is right, that that is good, that that is true, that it is something we are supposed to do as we seek to worship God. But notice there's another word in verse 2. Verse 1, the word is obey. Verse 2, referring to what's said in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. And the obeying our parents is to flow out of this honor. So the, the obedience is the action. The honor is the attitude of the heart that is behind the action. I heard a story once of a mother who got after her son and told him to sit down. Uh, He was being a bit unruly, bouncing around, standing up, running around. She said, sit down. And after it went back and forth for a little bit, the son finally sat down. But he said, inside I'm still standing up. Now we might laugh because we all know what that spirit is to a certain extent. Oh, okay, externally I'll do what you want me to do, but internally I don't want to do it. And see, Paul goes a little bit deeper and he reaches back to the, the fifth commandment and he says that obedience is to flow out of honor. Now what does it mean to, to honor someone? Uh, maybe sometimes you can think, boys and girls, uh, of the tulip time parade, Uh, And near the front, if I remember right, uh, there are the law enforcement officials, and sometimes there's also uh, veterans, veterans who have served our country uh, in war. Uh, And oftentimes, people will stand and maybe clap as they go by. That standing is expressing honor for those people and who they are and what they have done. That gets to something of what it is to honor your father and your mother. Now, I'm not saying, boys and girls, when your dad or mom walk in the room that you have to stand up and start clapping for them, but the internal attitude of your heart, respect their person and their position. That God has been pleased to make your dad your dad and your mom your mom. And God has been pleased to give them the responsibility to teach you. To teach you all about life and to lead you and to guide you in understanding life. Especially in relationship uh, to who God is and what he has done. So to value and to esteem them. Even though your dad and mom aren't perfect. And they know that. They know that they're not perfect. And God knows that. Now, I'm certainly not implying 
that we are to obey our parents if our parents tell us to sin against God. But except for that exception, as young children, we are to obey our parents out of honor because God has been pleased to put them in the position of our parents. And that brings us into our second point, the basis for this obedience. Why should we do this? Why should I obey my parents? Notice the Apostle Paul doesn't want to leave us wondering, and so he points out in verse 1, this is right. Isn't there something profoundly simple about that statement? He doesn't give a long, elaborate explanation. He doesn't try to convince you about how beneficial it will be for your life. That comes later uh, in verse 3. He just simply says, this is right. So the basis is, first of all, the basis of moral good. And I don't want to go too deep into this, although we should at some point and in maybe some other context. Uh, Our world today just like it did in Paul's day. When I speak of the world, I'm speaking about the culture, the secular society. They they are lost in moral confusion. And they try to pretend, and even some of the so-called experts try to pretend that there is no objective moral value. They say everything is relative and everything is subjective so that they would tell you the same lie that Satan told Eve. Whatever you think is good, is good. Whatever you think is right, is right. There is no ultimate right and wrong. That's just simply a lie. There is right and there is wrong. There is good and there is evil. How do you tell what is right? How do you tell what is wrong? How do you tell what is good? How do you tell what is evil? All in reference to God himself. God is right. God is good. And his word is right. And his word is good. And boys and girls, that's why when we sang that song, how shall a child direct his way? How shall a child know what to do in life? How shall a a young person know what to do in life? How shall any of us know what to do in life? The Word of God reveals that which is right, that which is good, that which is proper. It's so simple until sin enters into the whole equation because sin gives us this resistance against the Word of God. But the Spirit overcomes sin. And the Spirit then opens our eyes to see, yes, these things are right. It is right to obey. It is right to honor. It is right to follow the good and proper teaching and instruction of my Christian parents. In our confused day and in our confused age, don't get lost Don't buy into the mantra of just follow your own heart. Do what you think is right. The commandments of God are good. You can read all through Psalm 119. I can still hear the words of my 
paternal grandfather in his prayer, he so often referenced the Word of God as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it's true. You want to know what to do? Follow the Word of God. Notice that the Apostle Paul elaborates, though, a little bit with a wonderful parallelism. In verse 1, the basis is, this is right. But then also notice that he emphasizes, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, what does that phrase mean, in the Lord? The entire epistle, we will remember, emphasizes union with Christ, being united to Christ by virtue of election, by virtue of regeneration, by virtue of faith. And the entire epistle also emphasizes then not only union with Christ, but the body of Christ, the body of Christ where many members are joined together with the head, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it all is supposed to work together in coordination so that there would be unity among the body. This applies to the church, but this also applies to the home. And so you might interpret it this way, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you are united to the Lord Jesus Christ, conduct yourselves appropriately as a member of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way to conduct yourself appropriately as a member of the Lord Jesus Christ is to obey your parents. Just like if you have a car going down the road with four tires, if one of the tires is out of balance. Sometimes you'll, you'll see semi-trucks going down the road and, and one tire's just hopping and bouncing along. And you wonder, how, how in the world can the driver not sense that? How in the world can they not feel that? The same thing in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the same thing in a Christian home. If, if, one, if one person is out of step with the Lord, it impacts the whole family. It impacts the entire body. And so the Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Understand life is not just about yourself. And of course, your parents understand that or have to understand that as well. We'll get to them, Lord willing, uh, next week. But selfishness is the sin that lies behind so many other sins. I want to do what I want to do. Paul says that's not the Christian attitude. You should do that which Christ wants you to do. And again, with the exception of a parent telling you to sin, which we trust doesn't happen in the Christian church, but what does Christ want you to do, boys and girls and young people? He wants you to obey your parents. As they teach you, as they instruct you, and also as they correct you when need be in the Lord. And the Lord is so gracious that he often gives promises to motivate obedience. So there is a promise. Now you'll notice 
verse 2 says this is the first commandment with a promise. And what is the promise? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is a general proverb. Generally speaking, and there are exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, life goes easier if you obey the wise and godly instruction of your parents. Generally speaking, you are preserved or kept from much sin and much result of sin if you obey and honor those in proper positions of authority. Now here again, I know our culture loves to celebrate the rebel. But the rebel has a hard life. The rebel usually brings upon himself or herself much pain, much grief. Much pain and much grief that could have been avoided if they simply would have listened to the good instruction that they had received from their godly parents. Obey your parents, let it may be well with you. I have a list of Proverbs, but our time is quickly fleeing away. I just want to look at Proverbs 30, verse 17. Uh, and it's a strikingly blunt statement, but of course it is the inspired Word of God. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother... The ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. You mock your father's good instruction. You scorn obedience to your mother's wise teaching. You've been warned. If you persist in such a path, it will not go well with you. And if these words fall upon the ears of anyone who is walking in rebellion to the biblical instruction that you received from your parents, maybe yesterday, maybe years ago, don't celebrate rebellion, but rather imitate the prodigal son, not in his rebellion, but when he came to his senses. Is that I had it all in my father's house. I have nothing here in the pigsty of my own idolatrous living. I'll go back. Come back. Come back to the warm embrace of your heavenly father, who does not keep his anger forever, but who forgives sin and who receives sinners. I also want to be clear that this is a general proverb. We know by experience and we know also by the testimony of Scripture that sometimes the good die young. By good here, I mean those who haven't lived a life of rebellion. Whether it be through a childhood sickness, whether it be through a childhood accident, whether it be through a miscarriage, sometimes the Lord sovereignly, and I use this word respectfully, the Lord in his jealousy, calls one of his own children unto himself in glory from what we would consider a premature age. That is not an expression of his wrath. 
as not an expression of his anger. Rather, although it is very difficult for us to comprehend, it is an expression of his jealous love. So just because a child may die in their infancy does not mean that that child is a rebellious child. Thanks be to God that we have the clear testimony of Scripture, Jesus Christ embraced children, laid his hands upon them, and blessed them, saying, of such is the kingdom of heaven. This promise ultimately, while generally is realized in this earth, ultimately points forward to the new heaven and to the new earth, wherein righteousness dwells. Because even in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, the ultimate focus was never on an earthly plot of land, but on that which that earthly plot of land pointed forward to the new heaven and the new earth. And covenant children who listen to the instruction, the godly biblical instruction of their Christian parents are led on the road of faith and repentance that leads to the celestial city, the new Jerusalem, the heaven itself. So why do we obey our parents? Why do we honor them? It's right. It's right in and of itself in that God has commanded this is what we are to do. And everything that God commands is right. And in addition to the fact that it's right, it leads to life. Generally speaking, life that is played out well here on earth, but ultimately speaking, eternal life. And so may we find the grace necessary to obey and to honor our parents. Amen.